Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Greetings and welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett and along with me is... Braxton Hunter. And today we are going to continue responding to the answers from all the atheists, right? Yeah. So um, this we, is my favorite one. Yeah. Well, the, and the thing, but the thing about it is, I don't want for if if you saw this video now, okay, don't go anywhere. This is part of a series, but that's okay. You can just watch this video. It'll be fine. It's encapsulated. It's like one of those episodes of a television program where like X-Files, maybe season one, where like there's an underlying story. Don't make any mistake about that. But each episode, you could watch that on its own. Right, Pritchett? Yeah, except... Uh, or Law and Order. Here's the problem. Or Star with, Trek. Well, yeah, well, Deep Space Nine did a better job. But, I mean, X-Files and, and Smallville are two shows that I think dragged the underlying continuity of the storyline to slowly just it was too many standalones though for those also as we've said many times um if this is your first time typically our show is um videos with uh, you know where i'm just responding to a particular atheist thing there's very little banter because i'm the only one on the camera Um, it's just straightforward all the way through um, short videos, long videos, but the Friday live stream, which you found your way into is a little bit different because in the Friday live stream, it, it's a little more casual. So this so. one is no good already though. I, I have to say that we do not have our pre-show thumbs down yet. Has and nobody so thumbs we could, this Yeah. Down? And, and now it is, <laughs> since we never got a thumbs down before the show started, Someone we know that there's going to be it's well, no. It has to. We have to get it before the show starts. They said that I'm loud compared to you. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, You're always loud. I, I'm to affecting you. that right now. Yeah. But without that, I just don't know that this show will be the, be the same. Because that that first thumbs down before we start fires me up and motivates me. But without it, I don't know. Joseph says the Friday streams are the best part of my week. Not just because nice. they're always fire. But because it means I'm almost done with my work week. <laughs> Look, folks, it doesn't matter if you give us 20 thumbs down now. It's that that doesn't work. It has to be before we start. That we have to be thumbed down just for existing and having a show before we even have a show. Yeah, that's that, that's consistent with right much of the internet. All right, so <laughs> right. let's uh, so let's get jumping into this. So okay. uh, for those that do want to know about the underlying story, it's simply this: I made a video sometime back, a few weeks ago, that was 10, 10 questions for atheists, and a lot of atheists have answered. Even in the past twenty four hours, we've had two or three new videos answering. One guy's doing a right because series. I just love the fact of how much attention. YouTube atheists give our channel. It makes me happy. Yeah, that's I, right. Keep watching, fellas. Yeah, I love I mean, it. And uh, ladies, uh, it's great. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, because like, you need Jesus, by the way. One so, of the people. Yeah. One of the, now Pritchett sounds loud. They yeah. say. 
Okay, I've turned Pritchett down a bit, but so don't mumble Pritchett. But uh, yeah, so let's let so so anyway, we're on question two. Question one is out there. I'm going to put these in a playlist afterwards. So if you're watching this like two months later, you probably already know all that. But um, what we're doing? Oh, hey, and look at this. Godless engineer, godless engineer is here. Did you see Godless Engineer that I put you at the very beginning of yesterday's video that was a short six-minute video? You're the only atheist on there. All right, so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on fewer atheists this time than we did in the last one because in the last one I did seven, and it was just me, and it was two and a half hours long. Yeah, it was a Leighton Flowers type <laughs> yeah. episode. So with Pritchett here and both of us here, and we're going to try to do Q&A too. Um, yeah, yeah, Godless you, because of what I'm talking about right now, you didn't you didn't make the cut, man. But there's a good reason for that. So hold up, don't go anywhere, Godless. Just at least listen to this part, and that is that you already know this, but for anyone else, a few weeks ago, you made an entire video just about this question, and and so we and then I made a response. Did I make? A, I think I made a response to just that video. So um, so you're good. You got. Not, you're not on here today, but you actually got special treatment, so we should expect you to turn that frown upside down, pal. Um, okay, so this question was... What you didn't has, autograph his copy of Core Facts, though. It wasn't sent to me, so I could autograph it. You can send it to Trinity, and he'll sign it. Better yet, I'll sign it. I'm not even the author, but I'll sign it for you. <laughs> this is an interesting way of thinking about it. Christoph Keating says... Thumbs up meant death in the Roman arena. So maybe someone means thumbs down with that. They mean thumbs up. So, okay. Go. So, all right. Uh, so see what happens. We get derailed, but that's because we love talking to the people that are out there. So um, what well, we're going to, this question, right this that. question, Pritchett, is the, is what has come to be known dubbed by Cameron Bertuzzi as the hunter's dilemma. I love it. And basically you're going to see part of the question, but the question is basically this, um, or, so if you're an atheist out there and you're the type of atheist that considers yourself a lack of belief atheist, um, then it, with such a person, uh, if, you, if we, we shouldn't expect to find you running around comparing God to entities that you likely believe do not exist. Like you don't lack a belief about them. You believe they don't exist. Like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or fairies or leprechauns. Now, godless engineer made a video saying, well, but I may actively disbelieve in the Christian God's existence, but I may lack a belief about theism in general. Okay. Well, in that case, what you'd do is you'd run the, you'd run the hunter's dilemma twice, once for general theism and once for Christian theism. But anyway, the idea is it, you show us your hand. If you're a lack theist, a, a lack of belief atheist, uh, by saying, I merely lack a belief, but then you show us your hand when you say, but God's like Santa Claus, because you're really saying, I don't believe in God like I don't believe in Santa Claus, right? So, or I believe it doesn't exist. So um, that's kind of the question. And so the question is, don't what's up with that? How do you answer that? And doesn't it seem weird? And so these people are going to answer that. And I think you're going to be surprised at how they answer. Now, this is what I love about the hunter's dilemma, because... It's never. I, what I love is it's called the hunter's. That's dilemma. why you love it because you're self-serving and, and egotistical yeah. and a narcissist too. But um, what I love about it is it's never our goal to make atheists or unbelievers in general angry. But that's never our goal, right? So we we try to avoid making them outright angry. 
Because you don't want to do that. Yeah. You don't want to make people angry. Yeah. But what I love about this is it gets them irritated. And you I love that. I love the fact that it makes them irritated by the hunters. Be dilemma spiritual, they, Jonathan. That is spiritual. <laughs> it's good for them to be irritated. Uh, and, and it I, that it makes me happy when you can see something that, that they can't get angry about it, but they can be very, very irritated and flustered by it. And that makes me happy. So well, that's praise what I the like Lord. about it. When you find something that irritates them because it's hard for them and we'll see that today it's hard to give a really meaningful response to it um that's gold and it just makes me happy well all right i'm just messing with your colors to make you more pretty um i don't need help i knew i knew you were gonna say something like that okay so we're gonna jump in with shannon q she's first i used to be fat well i'm currently let me be pretty now (laughs) Okay. okay all right whoa whoa Hold up. Wow. Whoa. Echo. Echo waffle. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Echo waffle. That is, I mean, that's one of those that takes your breath away. It does. On other channels, they would be like, thanks, Echo waffle. But not on Trinity Radio. Radio, We're like, what just happened? So much. What just happened for listeners to the audio version of this? Echo Waffle just gave us a super chat of a hundred dollars. Wow, unbelievable! It literally—that's the word for it because it's like there's really nothing better you could have done with that hundred dollars and give it to us. So because of that, when someone gives a hundred dollars, they get a special shout out to Echo Waffle. And I love Echo Waffle. You can't get better than that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Thank. Blown away. Thank you so much. Uh, we will read all of your comments for the rest, whether you give super chats or not. Right. Even if you just say Pritchett smells funny or something, we're still gonna. Well, that's fine. <laughs> okay. People okay. Have said worse. Let me pull myself back together from. Let's that. talk about the hunter's dilemma and why atheists are irritated by it. Yeah. Well, here's Shannon Q on it. Okay. Here all we right. go. When somebody says something along the lines of, um. I'm a lack of belief atheist, but actively acts as though they don't believe in a God and is can, and can be aggressive about it. It seems as though there's a conflict of interest there. If you can say definitively that you don't believe in something like a, like a Santa Claus or fairies or whatever, but you you won't say definitively, I don't believe in a God. So... I can see maybe where the question comes from, I guess, is what I'm saying, where that frustration may lie. Uh, But that being said, most often, and often in my experience, when you see people utilize the Santa Claus analogies or like the fairy analogies, they're attempting to demonstrate through that analogy that... I have just as much belief in this mythical creature as I do in your wholly believed in God. Like I perceive them as on the same level. So it's not a statement about what they believe. It's not a philosophical statement about what they believe. Sometimes um, it's more so an attempt to demonstrate that people see the claim level as similar. So I don't know if that answers Braxton's question. It doesn't. I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer for you, Braxton. 
Braxty Poo. Let's go. We'll go to the next one now. That's not going away. Braxty Poo, that's staying. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon Q, for that one. All right, Braxty Poo. Uh, she's hold actually, up, hold up. Okay. I, there's a reason you get to talk now. Okay. Felipe Reyes has said, let the other guy talk. They mean you. They don't mean, I'm the one who, uh, apparently every other comment, that's got to be about you because no, it's, it's always Pritchett runs right over Hunter all the time. Well, no one's allowed to say that I, about sorry, this. Braxty Poo. That's, that's gold, too. Thank G- you give your that. thoughts I, on I this, Pritchett, while I play well, with Well, the problem is, is she's right. It does really not answer because we get the point that atheists are trying to say, um, this is like that. But the problem by saying this is like that is you don't believe in that. And if you're not going to believe in that, then consistency would demand that you don't believe, actively don't believe. And this is not. Now, I don't think that anyone's sitting there saying, I believe in Santa Claus as much as I believe uh, in the in a God or even just for godless engineer, the Christian God. OK, fine. Uh, but since the total amount of that is none, the hunter's dilemma sells by it. Am I right? Yeah. Unless yeah. you're willing to concede that I do have some belief in fairies and Santa Claus, and therefore I have some belief in the Christian God. Yeah, I mean— So w- you, you didn't—you did love the Braxty Poo, but not so much the answer, because you're right, you, you didn't really address it, and you kind of circled back into the very problem that the Hunter Dilemma brings out. Well, we, we're going to also go with Pritchy Pie. <laughs> I'm but, sweet like pie. Okay. Fine. Okay. So, so here's here's. Speaking of pie, you know how much pumpkin pie I ate. I probably had over the past Thanksgiving week a whole pie to myself. If you, what? A Did pie. you eat as much as you would have back when you were fat? No, <laughs> I would have eaten more, but I would have had it as much in one day that I spread out over the the week. So okay. I, I did probably eat eight slices of pie and the drowning it in whipped cream. So Pritchie Pie, that's yeah, that works. I, I so, own that name for this week. So here's the thing. Um, Shannon does say, I don't think this applies to me because I'm not a lack of belief atheist. Although I think if pressed, maybe she would say what Godless Engineer would say, which is I actively disbelieve in the Christian God, but I just lack a belief about theism in general. I don't know. But she seems like I think I've heard things that make me think that's where she is. Uh, here's something, though. One thing that this whole thing has revealed to me is that the large number, the, the, well, I don't know about the majority. I haven't done a count or anything. But every time I hear someone talk about this, it seems that they'll say these Internet, athe- like I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but like YouTube atheists who have YouTube channels, they seem to say they do lack a be- they do actively disbelieve in the Christian God. Like, regardless of what they think about general theism, they actively disbelieve in the Christian God. That's valuable because that means that when you're talking with one about the Christian God, they have to do their thing, too. They have to do their burden of proof, and they have to give you why the Christian God is does not exist. And right. we're going to get to some of that um, as we move forward. Some would say, well, because of stuff in the Old Testament, or well, because of hell, or well, because of whatever. And that's all, but those are, I don't like it. Now you're just the, giving me, not arguments, I, I, I don't like it. Yes. I mean, look, let's say Cthulhu existed, Christianity's false. I wouldn't like the fact that Cthulhu is out there running things, you know, <laughs> but that doesn't matter that I don't like it. If it's the case that it's true, then it doesn't matter how I feel about it, right? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a relevant point is, number one, you don't like it. You're just telling me stuff you don't like about God. Yeah. But they could phrase it in a way where they're like, okay, God, one guy did. We're going to do him next week with another question. But um, he said, look, if God is supposed to be like the ultimate standard of justice, and yet we find him doing unjust things like ordering a genocide or sending people to hell or whatever— well, then, then that God can't exist. That's a problem. Two things. Number one, you need to do some work to demonstrate that those things are necessarily unjust because there are, it may sound prima facie like a genocide or hell seems unjust. But when you understand that, oh no, actually it ends up being the most just thing, what happened to Canaan, whatever you want to call it if you know the backstory and if you're doing an internal criticism where you're taking the backstory at face value and then with hell, you have to do some work to tell me that that's not the most just right. thing. You have to, you have to justify the premise that you can characterize it in such a way to where it, in the, the, the worst possible, right? The genocide of the Canaanites, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than the judgment of the Canaanites, for example, which is, you know, probably a lot more appropriate than saying genocide. Uh, because yeah. you're, you're trying to attach uh, emotion to that. You know, you're trying to emotionally charge the term, right? Right. W- which gets back to the, I don't like it. So, But, when, then, but, but then on top of that, yeah. here's the other thing I was going to say with that, is that the guy that I'm referring to, which I didn't include here because most of how he responded, I wanted to do it justice, but most of it was kind of not, either not understanding exactly the, the hunter's dilemma or something. But, the, but, but, what, he, but what he said was, oh, with hell... Even if you're talking about an annihilationist view of hell, that is all completely unjust and not all those things. Hold up. Regardless of your view on capital punishment, let's say, because I'm not in favor of capital punishment, not because I have a problem with it in principle, but because of other things about how we do it in America. But um, the, the point is that that is on the table for discussion about justice. Like maybe that's the just thing to do. Well, if you believe in annihilationism, then there, there's no reason that can't be just in the same way that it is here, right? Yeah. So, I, so that, but, but, but then the second thing about that real quick is even if you think all of that and you have to make your case for that, still you need to back up and understand that for Christianity to be the case, what needs to be true, Pritchett? Uh, that God exists and God raised Jesus from the dead. Boom. So you can't say, I don't like that passage and say, therefore, Christianity is false. There are Christians who will give you that. They'll say, if one verse of this Bible isn't true, then none of it's true, which is just logically not correct, even when Christians say And it's also a dumb thing to say, because you could take any book, take a second grade math book. You would never say, if one sum is wrong in the answer, this whole book is... No, it's just stuff that's kind of silly. I found typos in my kids' homework from school like does that mean that the whole thing is bunk because there was a typo right. no of course so, not so um so that so but that's not shannon q shannon q is here saying this doesn't apply to me uh but i think here's what people are trying to do and what she said was she said i think what people are just saying with this is that look the the amount of evidence for God is the same as the amount of evidence for Santa Claus. And in both cases, it's nil, right? Well, that's a claim that comes with a burden. And <laughs> back to the original yeah. thing that the dilemma exposes yet again. See, this is what I love about it because it's irritating to atheists. Yeah, but the, and then there's another way to go with it because that's kind of what that Steve McRae guy is saying. He's like, even yeah. if you're a lactheist, um, you still have 
you you still have to, he's saying an agnostic but see this say, point that's would still have to explain why the arguments don't convince but it, them but it pointed out the obvious anyway the whole reason that the dilemma exists is because atheists are saying this is like that this is like that mm-hmm. right that's the whole reason why braxton came up with what inevitably by cameron was called the hunter's dilemma if it's really like that then then you actively don't believe in that as much as you actively don't believe in this. Well, and that's the point is what Shannon is doing and what others have done is to say, look, here's zero on the line, right? Right. And everything out here is positive reasons to believe. I don't have any for Santa or God, so I'm at zero. What you don't understand is that it goes the other way. Which way did I go? This is positive reasons. And these are reasons to believe that it doesn't exist. You have those for Santa Claus. You have those for the Easter Bunny. You have those for leprechauns. And so you actively disbelieve they don't exist. What you're, so the evidence is not the same, Shannon, for Santa as for God, necessarily. It's not like, well, they just both don't have any evidence. Even if we granted that we're at zero with God, you have negative reasons to believe whichever way I went with my hands, you have negative reasons to believe about Santa Claus. You have reasons to believe he does not exist. So what you are telling me, this is the point of the dilemma, like you say, is just like I have reasons to believe that Santa Claus does not exist, I have reason to believe that God does not exist, which means you're not a lactheist anymore. You're something more like the academic uh, phraseology about atheism. Or we want clips that we can cut out of future videos or say, I do believe that there's more evidence for the Christian God than for Santa. Yeah. Or I, I have the same amount of belief, which is a little, which is at least a plus between zero, uh, 100 and negative 100. Mm-hmm. I'm at plus two for both God and Santa. I'll take it. That's take positive it. belief. You know, yeah. I have a 2% likelihood of probability that the Christian gets fine. I throw percentages or points at, at all kinds of things that I hold, you know, uh, Calvinism being false. We're at like, what, an 89, 90% chunk at that. Yeah. Uh, our own Molinism will chunk 60% in favor on that side of the scale. Yeah, I mean, we do that all the time. It's fine. But, what, but then what the, happens if you start doing that means you lose your rhetorical tricks. Yeah. And, you know, you, you lose that precious thing where you can say, or you can say something just for rhetorical effect and we know you don't mean it. Like, there's more proof for Santa than there is for God. Right. Okay. And you can say that, but we, we know not to take that seriously. Yeah. Or if you do take it seriously, back it up with something other than just the rhetoric and say, and here's why I think Santa, and then give your positive case for Santa, which would be delightful because I don't. Yeah, and Eddie Vasquez got it before I said all that. He said it's not even on the same level of belief. And Mad Robot said, you don't have a lack of belief in Santa. You believe there is no Santa, right? So they're not the same. So anyway, that's Shannon Q. But uh, in general, we did get that pleasant Braxy poo that we can use now and um, that you can use now, Pritchett. And then secondly, we also got that she doesn't think she's that kind of atheist. But I, you know, I, I just think there what you do is run the thing twice, one for, once for the Christian God and once for theism in general, and we can still use the Hunter's Dilemma on you. So, Braxty Pooh, how much uh, belief or, or how much likelihood do you toss at the Santa Claus? 
the likelihood that Santa Claus, ex- that the magical Santa Claus exists. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not talking about the Santa department store. We're talking about the Claws of Faith. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What 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 percentage what do percentage? I put on it? That like a hundred, like zero. Zero. I mean, I guess I could give it a non-zero percentage, like point zero 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 something, n- only because of the whole, like, I might be in the matrix and there might be a world where there's a Santa Claus or something. Yeah. But no, I don't lack a belief. I actively believe he doesn't exist almost as much as I can disbelieve in anything. Right. Is that where you are? Yeah, probably. I don't give it much thought, but if I did give it much thought, I think I could come up with maybe, I don't know. <laughs> For the claws of faith? For the claws of, <laughs> you know. Okay, let's I don't know. let's move on. Probably to, not. But I mean, like you said, you just never know, right? Yeah. The rest of these are kind of short because I told you you'd be surprised at the answers. Well, Shannon Q's wasn't as surprising as you might think the next ones are. But here comes some. Here's here comes. We last week we looked at all three of the guys that were in this stream. This time we're just looking at the guy who runs the channel. This is from Crusade Against Ignorance, and this is Micah. Let's see what Micah says. Man, I hadn't thought about that one, guys. I'm going to have to, uh, dang. <laughs> um, I, I don't define atheism that way, and nobody who's taken seriously in philosophy of religion does. This is a question, that's a question for, you know, internet atheists um, who make anti-fundamentalist memes, which is, like, fair enough. Um, so I don't know if either of you want to say anything about that one, uh, but I feel like all we need to say is just that, you know, nobody who, who really takes their atheism seriously defines it that way so it's kind of a non-issue i mean it's a good question for those people but (laughs) yeah here's here's the guys like yeah that uh doesn't really apply to me or to serious atheists but for all of those people on the internet who say dumb things like uh you know god is like fairies (laughs) you know this guy is simply saying yeah that's a good question for those people yeah, because, because he doesn't even is. believe in he yeah. does he doesn't accept lack of belief atheism. Right. He's like that's not there's all, he said there's all kinds of problems with saying that atheism is a lack of belief. Yeah. So um, I, I know that some of you are going to get triggered by that who see this now or later. I'm just giving you what atheists are saying about atheists. So that's that might seem surprising. Now it's not surprising to me because the guys on that crusade against ignorance are more like um, you know the guys from real atheology or uh, some of the others who are more who who prefer to use the kind of language about atheism that exists more it is more at home in the academy where you don't use this lack of belief as much um so anyway there's micah not much to say about that let's see if anybody else said anything um why do you guys care so much what internet atheists say there was who's saying that uh just right there Gustavo, why do you guys care about? Yeah, now this is a good this is a good point. This is a very 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 good question that I ponder <laughs> week after I week and still end up. On I don't. Show. I can tell you exactly. I just had an ish. I just had a discussion or a Twitter exchange last night with Real Atheology on Twitter, and they're also like I think I just mentioned them as being the types that that don't like the like lack theism language. And the guy that runs it or whatever runs the Twitter account was like, I love the Hunter's Limb. I'm right on board with you there. Mm. So um, he's his criticism of me was and of us, I guess, is if you really if you Braxton really understand that atheism of like Oppie and Sobel and these kind of people, 
then why would you waste your time? Why would you spend so much time dealing with internet atheists and then acting like that's atheism in general? Well, hold up. I tell atheists on YouTube all the time that that's not how atheism best understood really is. Like In the, the academy, right. anyway. I, I tell them that all the time. I don't make that mistake of saying, here's something Aaron Ross said, and all atheists think that way. That's not what we do here, okay? No. Second, um, now, it's possible that he saw one video, and maybe I just said, see, atheists think, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not always, I don't always perfectly explain myself. So that's a possibility. You don't always have to. But I know, yeah, I should have to. By atheist, I always mean this. No, we're not doing that. Right, here. I just that had a guy. makes communication cumbersome. Watch everything or, you know, enough to get the context or not. That's your business, but don't misrepresent. Here's the thing, though. Um, we try to make those distinctions off, and we do make those distinctions often enough that that should be, it goes without saying, because we have said serious atheists don't, don't think this way. But I think that the reason why we do care what these people are saying is because more people are going to watch a YouTube video by even a low-tier you know, less than, let's say you have less, you have a YouTube atheist with less than 10,000 subscribers and the average viewership of 2,000 uh, views per video, that's more people than is ever going to read an academic journal or even an academic book uh, on this subject, right? I mean, we know how this goes. Get your article published in an academic journal and 150 people in the world uh, are going to read it, even though exponentially more of those people are going to get the journal and never read it. Trust me, we get journals here all the time. We don't have time to read everything that we want to read. Now, if the internet atheists would actually do what Braxton and I and other Christian theists do, uh, and not just in academia, but Christian apologists that we talk to on our message boards and everything else that are not part of the academy, we read atheist literature far more often than I think atheists read their own more academic literature. Now, I'm not saying that I know that for 100% fact, but if you listen to what we're talking about, and this atheist guy seems to agree with Braxton that this is a good question for them, uh, we're probably not far off from uh, the truth there that Internet-type atheists need to read more uh, of what their own best minds think. Is oh, are you done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's another side to this, Pritchett, that is, am I, am I, am I an apologist first or an evangelist first? Well, those two are so, I'd say evangelist, but those two are so intertwined in the yeah, way I that you do so. ministry yeah. that it's, it's, you know, the fact that other apologists aren't claiming the evangelist label is a problem with apologetics in general. So I think the two go hand in hand in the 21st century. But you know so what I'm I, getting at. I would at. say you would be in, in evangelist and, uh, an evangelistic apologist. An evangelistic an apologist. An apologist. What word comes first? Evangelistic. Yeah. My, look, I get that people like uh, certain atheists who are, the, who are the more academically minded atheists would say, but Braxton, you're responding to internet, like new atheist people, YouTube atheists. Why aren't you talking about um, the, the, you know, the, you know, uh, section 2.1.3 yeah. of this guy's this academic or, or work or on this? Why are you reading my journal on your show so I could get more exposure? Right. But the thing about <laughs> you know, it, the thing about it is, is really I'm after I'm, I'm trying to respond to the people who are making the biggest splash. And 
that's why I wanted to debate Matt Dillahunty. That's why I debated Dan Barker. That's why I do response videos to YouTube atheists because on the platform that I'm releasing YouTube videos, there are tons of new atheists out there. And you know who's actually the most successful with persuasion with the largest numbers? New atheists. Yeah. Do you know how they're doing it? With mockery and rhetoric more than substance. And you would agree if you're part of the other, like the new atheology or the or these guys or whatever. And that's why, here's a test. I didn't mean for this to be a test, but here's a test. Is I made a video yesterday, Pritchett, as you know, that's only six minutes long, which was a miracle of God that should prove his existence right there. And it was on doubt, emotional doubt. And I said, the solution to emotional doubt that has no intellectual referent is to commit, to make a commitment. I've settled this. I belong to God. I'm going to move forward and not be bothered by emotional doubt like that, that has no intellectual uh, referent. I said that and atheists, some of the atheists that consider themselves to be the more um, uh, sober minded atheists, some of the atheists that are of the new atheism got very cranky. Now, some of them weren't cranky. They just had questions, but they got very cranky, most of them. Why? I submit to you, though I can't prove it. Like you said, you can't prove your thing. I submit to you that it's because for a lot, not all, but for a lot of new atheist YouTubers, that's taking their toy away. That's taking their ball away because it's, it's, it's bothersome to say, um, hey, Christians, hey, other Christians, you bothered by the mockery and the rhetoric? Ignore that's there's no substance there because the primary way they they convince a large number of the people that they convince is and I know this because I've heard it from Christians who were seriously doubting because of this is because of the rhetoric in the comment sections and things like that, not substance. So when you tell them that the thing that when you say to other Christians, that thing that's that's convincing Christians that has no substance to it, don't pay attention to that. I think there are a number of atheists that are like, hold up now. That's our thing, right? Am I going too far? Am I being no. too volatile with this? I suspect there's some truth in that. Yeah, well, let me just cap that off with this. We've said plenty of times we think that more Christians need to be reading more books. We've said plenty of times that more Christians need to be studying the Bible. We've said that for years on this program. So we're not just picking on atheists this time, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, And I'll be the first to admit, and I, I say this a lot, um, you know, in discussions with other apologists or probably even on this show, nobody thinks that academic apologists are moving the nation in in cultural influence, just like no one thinks that academic atheists are moving the nation insofar as influence. Uh, Popularizers on both um, the apologetic side and uh, on the atheist side of these conversations, I think, are having more of an impact. And Really, not much. We we like to overblow our revel, uh, our relevance here. Atheists and apologetics. Most people in my church probably never even heard of. We're in niche. Apolog- yeah, it's a niche. So let's not overblow. Our, we're not moving the. But it is moving more of the culture than the uh, the academy is. And one of the things that we do here at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary is we want to be the seminary that bridges the academy and the church, and we make no uh, bones about it. So that we deal uh, on the high shelf and the low shelf. We're open mm-hmm. about that. No problems with that. Because we, we'd rather be effective in the culture than entertain ourselves with you know academic discussions. Yeah, we're not into this for uh, intellectual yeah. stimulation. Right. As much as I am a hobby navel-gazer, I love navel-gazing. I, sure. It's not nearly as important as... Uh, I mean, it, that stuff's important. Don't get me wrong. That stuff is there, and then apologists can take it and use it. That's important just the same way that a... Um, uh, 
you know, a lexicon or something is important for pastors to use. Somebody had to do the work, right? You don't so have I, your yeah. book here, uh, uh, Evangelistic Apologetics. Do you? Yeah. Uh, I just to, this is nothing new. This is nothing new for for us here. Read the thing about. Uh, yeah. When was that published? Uh, I don't know, 2012. But it was based on your dissertation. 14, 2014. 2014, but it was based on your dissertation that was completed, what, 2010? Mm-hmm. Anyway, you have a, there's a part in that book somewhere, and I can't remember, where you, you flat out say this is not about, we're not doing, we're not in, interested in apologetics uh, just to entertain ourselves. And you even point out that some yeah. apolo- people who are into apologetics are into it only for that reason. Yeah. But because this is called evangelistic apologetics, one of the things that he, he's on about is is using this to actually make a difference, you know, for the kingdom of God. And that's what one of the things that we're interested in. So, Amen. Thank you, Bridget, for yeah. that plug for Trinity and the book. All right. Uh, logical, plausible, probable gives us a $5 super chat. Yay. Thank you so much. Um, and it's not his best book, by the way. He says, atheists act like all of their accusations slash assertions don't also apply to them. It's called Atheist Fantasy Land Projection Complex. <laughs> Brilliant. That's a Pritchett style. Uh, yes. Comment. Thank you. That's fantastic. Logical, plausible. And probable. I want to say welcome fantastic. to new member, An- Angel WVM. Yay! Yay. And a channel membership, that's enough to get you shout out to Angel from Trinity Radio. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, now, the next one, the next person up. I can't believe we've been going at this for 38 minutes and we're only Already? on the third deal. Yeah, How but many deals do we have? Just, just two more. Okay. There's only two more, everybody. Just calm down. Um, this one is from Answers in Reason. These are the guys that were like, I quite like this guy. You know, I, and I like everybody of, who likes yeah, me. Of course you know. you're going to put that. Uh, of course, of course. But I'm not just putting compliments here on this one. Um, these guys actually, of the things we've had here today, they actually took it a little further and said some very insightful things. Answers in Reason also has the added benefit of the the um, a, uh, the acronym for their acronym. The acronym for their Answers in Reason is Air. So here we're gonna we're gonna get some air. You can't really see them, but they're over here on the side. So just look there. So, I mean, this is <laughs> something. It's not, yeah, it's not really aimed. Um, but I do agree with him. He was trying to say it's not aimed at people like us, and he's right. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, one of the, the both, both of us uh, dislike the uh, atheism as a lack of belief in God's definition. We understand that it is a valid definition um as that's how language works and it's how it's used um i've quite often come up against people who will say gods are imaginary and then they'll say well i don't believe that they're not real i just lack belief in them i'm like well you've just asserted that they're imaginary so if they are imaginary that means they have no objective reality which means this guy gets it they're not real these guys get it get it yeah. I love the man on the top and the man on the bottom. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of problems with that lack belief definition of atheism. 
Um, and I do find that generally the lack of belief definition of atheism is people thinking it absolves them of any burden of proof. It is lazy. Um, and there are some that argue for it for ideological reasons because they want to increase their numbers so that they have more voting power. They want to. I had not thought of this. Had you thought of that? Did you hear that? No. He said that uh, one of the reasons for including lack of belief as atheism and instead of like, I guess, agnosticism or something is because it that then you have more people in the atheist camp. So you have more voting power. Like it for, for as a political thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda like the evangelical blog. Yeah. Yeah. Like 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 we might expand what we consider Christian to be as widely as we can without, you know, messing up orthodoxy so that we have bigger numbers for something. He's saying maybe maybe they're uh, it's a it's an ideological thing where well you, you lack a belief you don't believe in God right well that's an atheist you don't believe in God without specifying you you actively disbelieve you know you lack a belief well come on in you're an atheist uh, that's I don't I mean I've know. never heard that before yeah eat creationism out of schools well look how many atheists we have they but if they focused on non theists probably have the same result so yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've also had atheists tell me that I lack belief in Santa Claus. It's like, um, well, no, actually, I, I believe Santa Claus doesn't exist. I believe he's not real. Yeah, I mean, you, you also lack belief in him because you believe. Yeah, I mean, it is true that you lack belief, but, but you lack belief because you actively disbelieve. Right. Yeah, doesn't exist. <laughs> but, you know, this is one of those things. You, it's created as a fiction, I think. By the time you're, oh, I don't know what age, but let's just say by the time you're a teenager, pretty much everybody knows that Santa Claus is a mythological character. It, it doesn't actually uh, exist. There is someone that pretends to be him in the North Pole. There's people that pretend to be him around various malls. But the actual character is not real. Um so, yeah. Uh, so we've had a couple of uh, comments comes in. Okay, Josh so they're, they're off of it now. But yeah. I thought there were a couple of insightful things there. I mean, I don't know if that's true. One thing that he said was, I think a lot of people do this so they don't have to carry their burden of, you know, shoulder the burden yeah, of proof. That's, 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 that's a principal reason for a lot of them. Right. Um, and it doesn't even work, but that's a different thing. Yeah, put that up there. Yeah. This has been ongoing. So what was it last week, Pritchett? Do you know? Um, no, I don't remember the actual, but it, it like 35 he had lost last week or something. Yeah, it goes up quite a bit. He's killing it. Yeah, definitely. He is. I want him to keep losing weight because he keeps doing super chats yeah. when he loses weight. Theology Geek <laughs> Fitness even works for Catholics. It works for everyone. Yeah. Godless Engineer was still in the audience. I tell him it could work for him too. He needs oh. to avail himself. Um, no, I want him to be healthy. Yeah. I get on to you tell about me, it. Tell me, tell yes, me about it. I get on to you about it. I'll, all the time. It's I want people to be healthy. Trust me, I feel better than I did two years ago. I do. Brad from Carolina, he says, wow, what a refreshing atheist perspective. That man has thought through his position. Well, amen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Slam RN's here. Hey, Slam RN. Hey. Um, yep, there she is. You nice. are blue everywhere, Slam RN? What does that mean? Is yeah, Slam talking about our, our set here. Oh, okay. I was wondering if she was Democrat or something. All right, um... Uh, yeah, so let's. Uh, so we got another super chat from Punchbowl Haircut, Yay. who is probably one of the cleverest uh, yes. super chatists. It's the name, man. The name is super awesome. Legolas and Gimli shredding orcs again. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that super chat. Love it. 
Uh, actually, today it's Braxy Poo and Pritchy yeah, Pie. Braxy Poo and Pritchy Pie. All right. Okay. Best, um, uh, last one, and then we'll just do questions. Okay. okay. Uh, instrumental Reason. This is someone who I think I had missed. I, I was trying to find everybody who had made comment or made videos. I had missed this one. And uh, let's see what he says. So on this one, it kind of doesn't apply to me because I don't define myself as a as as a person who merely lacks belief. I actively believe that that God does not exist. Um, particularly, I mean, and 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 you know, there's a there's a big boring discussion you can have about how exactly you're defining God and 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 which definition you think doesn't exist. Um, and I it, it pretty I. When it comes to just, you know, a deistic sort of God, just like vague, general, all good, all, all powerful, all knowing, um, I lean in the, in the uh, don't believe in that being um, category. I lean more heavily. Uh, I kind of like it how his background behind our, I, I don't have him on the screen because he doesn't give himself on the screen. He just uses this background with like, smoke black smoke like negative of smoke or something or water maybe it's ink and water i don't know but it looks cool and i kind of like it behind our image here just you know in that same direction where we talk about the christian god specifically um so doesn't apply to me but um i will say the um you know rhetorically i don't think comparing God to the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus is always the most uh, respectful or um, or genuine, um, you know, comparison to be made, especially. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, well, what? How, go ahead. I was going to say, well, I do think, I, I know that it's not respectful, and that's how I know that it's genuine. <laughs> they genuinely think that because they're not trying to be respectful. They're trying to be... Uh, intentionally inciting, you know, their theists and that may may hear this. They're they're trying. What was that? Trigger is the word that you were using mm -hmm. earlier. They try mm -hmm. to trigger theists or whatever. My 15 year old daughter uses that word. I don't use this word. Uh, but they're trying to get a rise out of you. That's what we used to say. Uh, that's how old I am, by the way. They they try to get a rise out of somebody by saying that. So I do think it's genuine. I it's intentionally disrespectful, but. Those aren't really our problems with it. Our problem is you have to come face to face that if you're going to use that, it's going to burn you in the end and, you know, place this burden that you now have to deal with. Why is it like that? And doesn't that suggest that you're not a lactheist at all, but you're like these kind of atheists we've been listening to today, minus Shannon Q. Well, Shannon Q is more of a no to the Christian God, but maybe other gods lack. But most, the majority of the people that we've been listening to today is no God exists. And they see, they seem to see right through the lactheism thing. The hunter's dilemma is not trying to, it's trying to expose a fundamental problem with the lactheist crowd, primarily in the YouTube atheists, who are being genuine by being disrespectful. That's true. Uh, but it still poses the problem. That's why it's the dilemma. And the dilemma just unmasks so many, much of this stuff. And I think that's why it's a problem for a lot of atheists. Uh, they just don't like it. And I get why, because it, it creates a lot of problems for but, the, the lactheist. Which this lactheism thing is like the, you know, Gollum in his ring. 
right? They have to, they, they want to cling to this precious, and it just, you know. Slam RN wants to make it clear that, no, she she thinks they mean blue because she has a blue wrench on every apologist channel. So, um, uh, fair enough. We need oh. to make that clear. Uh, but let's, let's, oh, did I get off of this guy now? Dang it. Okay, we, we got to get back to instrumental It was somewhere reason. in the middle. Yeah. So on this one, it kind of doesn't apply to, to um, you know, have a uh, friendly philosophical discussion with. Yeah, he's saying you're going to tick people off with this, and I don't. But that's part, the point of it. Yeah, though. I mean, part that's of it why is why you say Santa what, Claus and fairy and right. Sky Daddy, and and, and, yeah, part, and, and thank you, thank you, instrumental reason. But the reason, like the way this all started when I first said it, is probably not as hospitable, and he'd probably chide me for this. But I said, look, if you want to sit at the grown-ups table and have a real conversation. You can use that kind of rhetoric, but then we should expect you to give reasons that God, you know, argue that God does not exist because you're revealing that you think God does not exist. Right. So you can keep using that rhetoric. We don't mind. We don't mind the mockery. It's fine. We're yeah. used to it. Um, on the other hand, if you are going to hold the lack of belief position, then we shouldn't expect to hear you doing that. Right. Uh, that's either one of those are available to you if you but want to. But don't be upset if we mock back either. You know, I mean that's part Pritchett of that's, might be in the room. That's part of the that's part of the stick uh, of, so, of YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, as an atheist, um, you know, probably not going to go over too well. And uh, so, point taken, Braxton, on that. That could send Thank the wrong you. message. Um, however, there there may be something to be said about um, about. Uh, drawing a comparison between the level of perceived evidence for one being similar to the other. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of, a, you know, hypothetical way that that comparison might actually kind of help to get the message across, uh, which I'm sure Braxton has gotten by this point and to men and to other Christians like, okay, they, they think that uh, the evidence is kind of thin on the ground, uh, similarly to evidence for Santa and the Easter Bunny. Um, yeah, but again, this is like we said to Shannon Q. Like, I appreciate that you're being you know, friendly with us, so this is a friendly response to that. When lack, when lack theists, I have no doubt that they're trying to say, look, the, just like there's no evidence for Santa, there's no evidence for God. Okay, fair enough. We think there is evidence for God, but whatever. There, the scale doesn't just go in one direction. It goes in the negative direction, too. And we have lots of negative reasons to believe that Santa Claus exists. And if you want to say, oh, yeah, and we have lots of negative reasons to believe God exists, uh, God doesn't exist or whatever. Okay, then, then again, you're, you're more on the traditional atheist side of it and the lack theist side of it. And, of course, that's the point we yeah, want to make. Yeah, and I, well, no, but I am fine. If an atheist wants to say, I simply lack a belief in Santa, I don't actively disbelieve that Santa exists. Uh, you know, exists or what? Fine, great, but then you need to start saying that more often, and not have it just be rhetoric. But then you have to, you have to explain why. Yeah, but you know? part so of the problem, kind part, of, part of the problem with that is, if you're telling me you merely lack a belief in Santa, I don't believe you. I, maybe that makes me a terrible person. I don't believe you, or you're eight years old. Okay, uh, barring you being eight years old, now, I don't believe you. Right, and unless you want to, that, unless, you wanna say, unless you want to say you're wanting to keep the the possibility of Santa Claus, the the clause of faith, you want to keep the magical Santa hope alive, then that just means you're wanting to keep the Christianity hope alive, and you got to own that too. The, yeah, I don't. if you're making Santa slash Christian 
uh, Christian God uh, a comparable thing, or any God, uh, but especially the Christian God, if you're making those things comparable, and the, and the reason why you don't actively disbelieve but you merely lack a belief, it's not it has nothing to do with evidence. But that's not a lack because of belief. Because you can't say there's no evidence, there's no, this, you know. All you're saying there, though, Pritchett, is you're saying, so like, let's say they say, yeah, I do lack a belief in, in Santa because I don't have Cartesian certainty. There's technically a weird non-zero chance or something. Okay, that's that's not lack theism though. Yeah, that's atheism. You can't be certain of anything, right. especially if you're an atheist. If, they say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's no such thing as Cartesian. No one has it. But right. Uh, the the. But my point is, unless you're holding out hope, what other reason do you have? Uh, to to merely lack a belief in Santa or fairies or elves or the Loch Ness monster. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I mean, way cool that that it. comparison might actually. Uh, he just goes on to say that he doesn't like the comparison. He wouldn't use it himself. Well, on the one hand, I understand that what what Shannon Key was saying. They're trying to say that the evidence for this is as comparable as the evidence of these things, right? Which ignores the negative side of the scale, which well, ignores reasons to believe it doesn't exist. Right. But, I mean, I understand that, that comparison. But it's still a categorical error. Like, at the most basic level, it's a, ca- it's a categorical er- error to confuse the god of... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with Thor, right? So when you are Zeus, when you say you don't believe in Zeus and you don't believe, those are fundamentally, ontologically, categorically different kinds of beings that were. were mm-hmm. So how much further removed are you when you talk about fairies and 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 Santa? So for me, it's already just a, a basic categorical blunder that means that you haven't given much thought to much of anything, including the nature of Santa Claus. But More A101 says, but, epistemologically, yeah. you can't actually say Santa doesn't exist. Your distinctions here aren't careful or clear. I don't know how more careful or clear we can say. If you think you can make any kind of a knowledge claim, More A101, putting aside all the discussions about when you when you can claim to know something, Right. The, the fact is, if unless you want to say, I can't know anything, what you what you would be. Nobody says that. What you might say is, I yeah, I, I have knowledge claims. I have justifiable warrant for claiming certain things to be true. The thing is, I don't have Cartesian certainty, like absolute, like I know I exist and maybe more than that type certainty. OK, well, then I, I, we're clarifying that nobody has that about anything. OK, yeah. so. Putting that aside, if you're saying you can't technically say Santa doesn't exist, I'm yeah, I'm I'm saying Santa doesn't yeah, exist, Santa, and I don't have Cartesian yeah. certainty, but I have a level of certainty about that that warrants me saying I know Santa doesn't exist. Right, and you don't need it because that's irrelevant. Right, and the common sense use of the word, I'm sure that the Christian God exists. I'm sure that Santa doesn't. Yes. I'm not Cartesian certain about either one of them. And don't need to be to make a knowledge claim because that's ridiculous. So whoa, who cares? whoa, yeah. whoa. Here we go. I'm going to butcher his name or her name. Suraj Alexander. How do you think I did? Fine. You're no Steve Selby, but you're, that's fine. 50 pounds. I'm glad I found you guys as a voice of reason against all the trendy atheism on YouTube. Hope you guys keep up your Thank great you work. Thank you so much. Thank you. We are unworthy of the compliment, let alone the 50. uh, Shout out to Suraj, S forward slash P, because I'm spelling. I don't know. Uh, But that you're blowing us away, folks. Yeah. You, especially you and Echo Waffle, 
Just I'm going to remember those names. I tell my wife about this at dinner time. And if you should if too. you got you're going to hear right. the name. Yeah. Your name will be held will be mentioned in our household tonight. Your screen name. It's I hope that's not your real name, Echo Waffle, but this is probably Siraj's real name. But we're going to mention you, and we're going to thank God in prayer. Because prayer is a thing, and it's real, and it works. Now, put Moray's 101. No, that's no, 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 no. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing bottom shelf philosophers prayer. say. That's not the thing that real philosophers say. That needs to go up there. No, no, common sense use of the word when you are doing epistemological work will get you into a world confusion. No, not really. Yeah, not really, and we're not doing that. We're right. clarifying to you. We're right. talking about we don't have Cartesian certainty. But putting that aside, whether you want to go with justified true belief or justified true belief plus one of the different things that people like to, um, like reliabilism, which is the one I guess I'm most favorable to, the different things you add on to that, um, then, you know, we're being very clear about this. Right. We're not, I didn't say common sense. He might have said common sense, but you know what? No, I did say common sense because that's what we're talking about. This is where I like an epistemologist. Trent Doherty, I think he's an epistemologist. When he says this, he said in his debate with Tom Jump, he said, he said, yeah, not everything is as it appears, but most things are. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Right. No, I did yeah. say common sense because we're not. <laughs> anyway, because we're just talking about what we people normally believe when they talk about when they use words. This is not, we're not talking about anything else. And I we, don't know if it's. Right. Because we're making that distinct. That's a very distinction we're making. We're not talking about Cartesian certainty and I don't know if it's all this other stuff. No, that's not what we're doing here. So, yeah, I don't know if it's it's so or J Suraj or Suraj. I'm going to go with Suraj. You probably still got it. Shout out Suraj. Shout out. So Oraj there. We're covered every way. Brad from Carolina, one of our one of our helpers on the show that keeps us going. Love and appreciate you, bros. Is that how you said it, Brad? Yeah. Is that how Thank you said you. it? Love and, and appreciate you, bros. Love and appreciate you, bros. All right. That's Carolina speak right there. Yep. Amen. Genuine Amen. Carolina Thank speak. you so much. All right. Now. Uh, but, yeah, that's – we're not – yeah, we're not – Questions. Anybody got any – I mean, or comments. We don't, we're not the purveyors of all knowledge. Yeah. I mean, he is, but I'm – Right. And, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do we have anything interesting while they're cooking up some good questions for us that we can say about what's been going on? No, there- but I think we can. We can. Hey, you hundred. Is that the last video that we had? Okay, yeah. Let's put a bow on this. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You 120 that are watching right now, don't go away. This is the best part of the show is the question and answer time because somebody might stump us. Yeah. Go ahead, Pritchett. Okay. So what we've learned is the actual atheists, not Andrew, but. Uh, Beatty made this comment earlier. I saw you, Drew. You're right. They they still most atheists on the internet define atheism as a lack of belief, even though that's not. And you made a helpful video that gave a whole bunch of academic sources in response to Matt Dillahunty being uh, uh, Matt Dillahunty. I won't <laughs> make of what that you will. Uh, <laughs> when he threw a hissy at the debate with you and Braxton when you asked him uh, that question. So so yeah, um, and they're wrong. <laughs> Uh, for the most part, and, and how they use the word atheist, but it's fine. It's 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 wiggled its way into the common vernacular. So now we, instead of having like, 
useful terms like strong atheist, weak atheist, you know, agnostic, and, and things that were useful. Now we have atheism, but of this kind, and atheism because and, and it gets cumbersome. So when Braxton says atheist, you just have to figure it out, and who cares? That's not on us. That's on on the atheist. Y'all sort that out. But yeah, they do this, and they 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 operate with that definition in mind. And for those atheists, the hunter's dilemma is a huge problem, and you can see it in, in the fluster. And the atheist, the strong atheist, or the actual academic definition atheist, the, the we don't believe in this God business, they know it too. And I think that's why the hunter's dilemma is not going anywhere and is going to continue to be a problem. Or you have to lose your rhetorical toy, one way or the other. Shout out to Hervey Schmervy, new channel member. Um, and we appreciate that, Hervey Schmervy. Now, um, you know this, others may not know this. We so appreciate anytime someone becomes a channel member, don't get us wrong. And we love it. And it's very encouraging. And I hope you all become channel members. Wouldn't that be something? But is it free? If you're, no. Oh. If you're a per, but I think it's like as little as a dollar gets you in or something. But. Just for those that may, we're not, we don't do, we're not doing commercials here trying to get you to give us money. That's not what this is about. But if there are people who say, I appreciate what you're doing and, and beyond giving a super chat or something, I, I actually want to, on an, in an ongoing way, help the show. Um, we'd prefer you do that at patreon.com slash Trinity radio, because uh, there you actually get all the stuff. You yeah. get all the good stuff, and it has the added benefit that if YouTube ever decides to axe Trinity Radio, you're still there, okay? And we would pick up somewhere else, which is an issue. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be a channel member. We think that's great. It's just that we don't give all the free stuff on channel members. We give that. Um, and it comes with uh, at Patreon.com. You get five seminary-level courses with PowerPoint. You get uh, extra episodes that we've never released elsewhere. Lots of e-books. You, you get lots of e-books that, that, like, the combined would cost you over $100, and you get them for free. And um, But wait, there's more, and there is more. And so um, hope that, that anyone who wants to, on, in an ongoing way, long-term, do that. But don't let that for a second think that we don't celebrate Hervey Schmervy. Yes. And others who became channel members today. Yes. Angel WVM. And yep. Was that it? Did Maybe. I, did I remember that? It's those last couple letters of it. Anyway. I'm not seeing any other question. Oh, here's a question. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think John 3, 18 through 20 gets right into the heart of the matter of those who reject Jesus? If not, what other verses do you think help? That sounds like a New Testament question. And Pritchett, do you have an answer to that question? Well, I think a lot of passages get to that. I mean, I wouldn't rule out, and I know this is going to bother my people like Braxton. Not people like Braxton. Yeah, people like Braxton. When I say, I and, and Romans 1, uh, in the very ways that, that a presuppositionalist will, will talk about suppressing the truth in unrighteousness and things like that. Uh, but go ahead and read the text. For, well, they start two verses yeah, I mean, this is John 3. This is the famous yeah. passage where Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. I can quote, like, the first half of the chapter. Yes, you can. I've um, heard you do it. Yeah. Uh, but read John 3, 16, because okay. it's so important. Um, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not now, believed what, in the name the of, of God's yeah. one and only Son. This is the verdict. verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Exactly. And yeah, and I think if you want, I think Romans 1, 18 through 32, uh, I think that does a good job of unpacking why people love uh, the darkness and reject the light. It really does come down. I mean, look, we are in what we can call a, a spiritual war against mm-hmm. forces that atheists think that they have got something on us because we say we believe in them. Right. It's not only that you're, it's fallen humanity, but it's also powers and principalities and the evil one. We believe that fallen humanity does a good enough job on its own to love the darkness and reject the light, but that there, there is even more aid uh, from the uh, enemy on this. And so, yeah, and I, I think that, you know, John Calvin talked about the census divinitas, right? I mean, there, there's always this sense of the divine in everybody, and I believe that the Imago Dei is another good way to say that there is a sense. That's why I affirm that these atheists, they're so self-deceived that they think that they don't believe in God, and they're, they're convinced of that. But this is why I say Romans, but I, how I can also say that Romans 1 is still true, that they know God, right? And so fallen nature can't destroy that completely because, you know, it's not, it's not just a tree of knowledge of evil. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, and all human beings are... Uh, even the most wicked and defiled are still have at least the the imago dei to keep them somewhat in the good column too. I know that Christian theologians hate to say that there's anything good whatsoever about human beings, but that's just that that's nonsense. Um, so what happens is is that you take fallen nature and then you take the enemy and 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 those powers and principalities that are trying to shove us towards idolatry and and, and further and further into the darkness that yeah that becomes the explanation the good news is the good news and the power of god unto salvation is the gospel and the power of the holy spirit's uh witness and testimony to convict the world of sin and unrighteousness so that's why all of this stuff that we do in trinity radio is absolutely worthless garbage if we don't tie it to you need to repent and believe the gospel so that you could be saved which is why people sometimes don't like like think of us as well you guys are apologists instead of christian philosophers and stuff and it's like well, I have an order of things that I am. Evangelist comes first, apologist comes second. But yes, we're actually interested in taking stuff and doing practical things with it. Which brings us to another well, question. Well, we're actually, I mean, in a sense, we're philosophers. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying we're not doing right, that. Right, but, but I mean, um, in what fact, are we doing here? The programmer says yeah. here, uh, Dr. Renner, have you re- ever read Logic and Theism that was written by atheist philosopher? Uh, so, this is Sobel. Now, I yeah, it's like, uh, it's like a lot of money. Um, it's like sixty something dollars. It's something that you get through interlibrary loan, right? Is what but you do. but you don't uh, buy that book. But there's so someone just asked me yesterday about Oppie and Sobel and um, um, a couple of others, and uh, I mean, I, I, yes, I, I don't know what the thing. I I uh, I have it. In fact, just yesterday when I was asked that question, I went and looked in my Kindle and I remembered it was when we first got like uh, we started getting a substantial amount of Patreon money that I bought some of those big atheist tomes like Oppie's arguing about gods and uh, and and that. So, um, you know, I, I remember even when I first got into apologetics, well, it wasn't when I first got in, 
But about the time my first daughter was born, I, I went and bought then the New Atheism stuff because it was popular at the time, um, like The God Delusion and uh, God's Not Great, and read those because, and what I've, what I've, what I've, what I found true then is that for all the hype, there was nothing there. I don't find that with Sobel and Oppie, obviously. There is something there. But then when you get into like, um, like with Oppie, when you get into his, look, uh, it's not, these arguments are not trash, but, um, you know, are they successful? Well, you know, whatever. I, I, I think there's a, I think that that's like, um, well, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, because I want to do an I want to do ethics. I want to do a whole epistemology or politics. I mean, I want to do philosophy is a big thing, right? So I want to do a whole episode you know. on Oppie specifically at some point, and that and the book um, arguing about gods. But yeah, are you in anyway. the analytical uh, philosophical tradition or the continental tradition? You know, I mean, we can go on and on about this stuff. It's just not very interesting to most people who watch. But here is what's the image of God? You mentioned the Imago Dei. Here's here. I'll just do this real quick because I've done this many times is Mm -hmm. um, the image of God. I think the way you find out what the somewhat ambiguous, not entirely explained um, image of God is in in Genesis one and perhaps in Acts 17 is that you look at what are the things that are true of us and true about God that the that are not true about the animals. Like, obviously, there are things about us and the animals that are similar that are not true about God like that we both have physical bodies, right? Um, there are things that are true, um, but there are things that are true about us and God that are not true about the animals. And that gives you a pretty compelling little list. Creativity, I think it would be a mistake in a chapter like Genesis chapter one, where the whole thing is about creation, not to mention creativity. I would say freedom of the will. Um, I think all Christians would say functional freedom of the will, eat, whether, no matter what understanding of the will they have. It's subordinated, but a um, functional dominion. Dominion, okay, yeah, yeah authority in that sense. Um, uh, morality, um, I'm not a physicalist, so I would say... Uh, uh, that we have a spirit, um, things like that. So I think that you get a list kind of like that. There's probably other things I could add, but that's the short list. And so I I think that the the image of God are the things that that are true about us that are also true about God, um, that some might say his communicable attributes or something. Yeah. Um, Okay, all right. That's the systematic. Uh, Now, there's been some stuff happening here. Um, Let's see. Someone's excited about the possibility of free eBooks. Yeah. Some of them are actually pretty good too. Uh, Larry Cloya says videos like these with misdefining terms is a reason I found Christian apologetics dishonest. Okay. I don't even know. So first of all, I don't know what terms you think we misdefined. I'm not sure we defined specifically any particular terms. Secondly, that the conclusion is you're dishonest. Yeah. Like, what if I did get something horribly wrong? Was I trying to deceive people? I probably would say, oh, yeah, I was wrong about that. Sorry. You should hear his his villain cackle the second the camera goes off. <laughs> you know, evil Braxton and his cackle. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, the, do I do that? Right, yeah. This, this, Larry, whatever. That's dumb. Yeah. People who make comments like that without any substance to them is is what I should I say it's horribly dishonest yeah it yeah it just demonstrates that you're just a used car salesman gish galloper Larry um you know 
the only term that we did define is cert what we mean by certainty in everyday language versus Cartesian certainty. And hey, if we got it right. So I don't know if, what the problem if, is. If anyone else uh, wants to be a channel member, Hervey Schmervy just let out a little hack here. He gave he, he gave $1.99, but he got it for free for doing Google reward surveys. So I don't know where you go to do that, but talk to Hervey Schmervy yeah. and maybe he can hook you up. Eddie Vasquez, interesting question. That's a question we don't somebody asked that like one? a normal person. What are each of your favorite Christian worship songs? Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name, like the fragrance after the rain. I love that. What about you? That's a hymn, but you know. yeah. Um, How great thou art, and um, yeah, that would be my first favorite. And then, uh, oh, when peace like a river attendeth my. What's that one? Uh, it is well. It is well. That, That's a that great would, one. Yeah, that would be That's my a great one. Uh, um, th so and if you really want to, if you really yeah. want to be set free, listen mm -hmm. to the third day. Uh, this is from way back, like turn of the century. <laughs> but listen to Third Day's worship compilation, where they have a medley. I think it's in volume two that starts with "It Is Well" and ends with "It Is Well," but in the middle, it has "With or Without You" by you too. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, okay, I don't. I, I, I don't want to be a jerk. Is here. there a more modern song that we like? Yeah, I like. I said last week that I liked. Um, and everybody will hate me for it. That that is like. But we uh, say favorite. My favorites are going to be the, the the hymns. It's just. It's, um, I will. I like the. I so will I. So will I. Yeah. I don't want to be a jerk here, but Larry. This is one of the reasons that atheism never makes me doubt is because of misdefining terms like this. I reject the fallen nature. I inherit no sins from anyone. Now it's not that you misdefined what a lot of people think about it. But not everyone has this robust, uh, literal Augustinian understanding that you seem to think is the only possible interpretation of original sin and the fallen nature. The fallen nature is a thing on its own. The the, the, yeah. That we have a fallen nature is a reality that Christians think is there. Yeah, Christians you're, you're equating that with how we got the fallen nature. Yeah. And here's the thing. We... The fallen nature, so you have original sin, right? And Augustine would say you have a sin nature and a guilt nature. Yeah. You like that you are personally guilt. culpable, yeah. and that's what your statement gets to, that you are personally culpable for Adam and Eve's sin. What, what some of us would hold is, no, you have a sin nature that is, there was, there was sin, and as a result, there, is, there are the ramifications of sin that... Uh, in a ripple effect end up destroying creation but that doesn't necessarily mean that you inherited the guilt of Adam and Eve and in fact there are passages in scripture that indicate that God won't hold uh, children culpable for right. the sins of their father yeah. now I we reject the Augustinian view of original uh, sin where we, you believe in inherited guilt we don't affirm that but we do affirm a nature that it, like the Baptist faith the best would say a nature uh, incline, an environment inclined towards sin. And that's what we mean by a fallen nature is uh, if you're aging and if you have desires that are not wholly directed towards God, you have a fallen nature. It is fallen from what it should be, which is a body, uh, soul, and spirit, and desire 100% oriented towards God, which we don't have. That's what we're talking about by a fallen nature. We don't believe in inherited guilt business uh, that, that Calvinists and some non-Calvinists believe in. We don't believe in that. Uh, so that's not what we're talking about. So if you'd like... But we've defined what we mean by these constantly, especially when we do more theology. Now, I don't even say 
sin nature. I don't. You have a sin sin nature because you have a death nature. I I, I talk about it the way Romans five does. Um, death is what passed on to all men, and because of the death, uh, that's how you should understand that epiho upon which or because of which or whatever uh, all sinned. Um, it's the death that causes the sin, uh, and so when the death spread to all people all people sin because of that death we have a death nature and because we have a death nature that gives us the sin nature now i would say that our death nature is what i would say you know what we have ontologically um if we want to use the word nature in in in, as in the and that word nature is almost useless these days but i mean ontologically our nature is death okay sin what i mean by sin nature i should say we have a sin habit um Fuses in the Greek could be you could you could say it could be like the nature or the ontology or you could talk about it in terms of custom and habit and I think Paul overwhelmingly if not always uses it in the habit thing and he's not talking about like the nature like by nature children are he's not talking about by your ontology he's talking about by your custom or habit and that's clear by what he says but you know according to the way that you walked you know the way that you behave your your customs or habits or or when he's talking about Romans two. Um, those who are by nature circumcised, well, you don't come ontologically with your foreskin cut off. He's talking about Jews' custom of of removing the foreskin. So well, uh, when we talk about nature, I don't believe that we have like a sin nature, like I'm infected with sin goo. What we do have is disordered desires because of our death nature, that we're oriented towards death instead of towards God, and that leads us into sin. Because where okay. death reigns, sin reigns. Amen. That's a good point. But, to Now let's move on. To all s- there in Romans 5 but, that Augustine bungled, you, and the Western tradition went off the rails. we got to get going, Pritchett. Look okay. here. Read this one. This one, I'm going to leave it on your screen. Background looking good, guys. P.S. Calvin would have hated that J.P. just quoted him to make a point about the Imago Dei. Yes, he would have. But you know what? Calvin and I, if he's in heaven, and I have no reason to think he won't because God saves a lot of crappy people, uh, we'll talk about it. Started my first class at Trinity today and couldn't be... Woohoo! Yes, couldn't be more Yay. excited. That'll go away, but I'll take it for today. God bless you guys in your midst. Thank you so much, uh, Echo Waffle. Yeah, Trinity's awesome. We love it, but, you know, I hear people, they start off excited, and then that excitement fades when they have to start doing work. Um, But that's the way it goes. From Marcia Jennings, preach it. Love you guys. Marcia. Thank you Thank so you. much. I always She's do say like Marcia. one of my favorite people. She you just, know, anyone who likes all your stuff on Facebook is like becomes your favorite human being. Whoa. Um, I love people Bert that love Greg us. Greg is like that. Um, <coughs> MJ Jack, who's not here, I don't know where he's at. Probably working busy. Doing Do you that. think the New Jerusalem is metaphorical or literal? Uh, yes. Next question. <laughs> okay. Whoa, what in the world? What is happening? What is happening? So See, when we when we get the apologetics thing done over and soon, and we start talking about Bible-y stuff and angels and demons and sin nature and all that, Sheesh. people get excited. Where did it go? Did I, did I knock it? Did I, oh, it's on your screen. i got to put it back on my screen. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Solus Griffiths. Shout out to Solus Griffiths. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. Another awesome name. Another awesome handle. Unbelievable. Yes. Keep it up, guys. Thank you for all your work. I appreciate your video on doubt yesterday, Braxton. Great, because there were a lot of Christians that hated it and a lot of atheists that hated it. 
There were a lot of both that loved it and defended it. But yeah. thank you so, so much. That's a way of I saying struggle a the lot internet responded in the way the internet always responds. Is just yeah. equal I, but I, I said, I said yeah. on my Facebook today that I think that video yeah. for some reason had a, an effect I did not expect. Which is that there were that spread. You know, I like that. I mean, struggle. He, with, well, he says, I struggle a right. lot with it since I was an atheist for, for 30, 30 years. Year. Right. I'm slowly working through right. it. Right. And, you know, you do, people are going to slowly work through those things. Uh, everyone works. And this is one thing that his video, I, I think you could have, you could have made it seven minutes to throw this in that we all are going to move through this, dealing with this type of doubt and how we can put it behind us. Everyone's going to work through it at a different pace, man. But uh, the, the thing is to work through it, not. Slowly or not, <coughs> amen for working through it. Oh, yeah. So this person asked this a while back, and I forgot to answer. How do you stop an <coughs> infinite regression in the Kalam? So, like, he was asking, like, how do, how do we respond? What's the infinite regression? I'm taking this question as what is that response that Christian apologists give? So with the Kalam argument that the idea that so the universe had a cause and we then do this. Um, so the, well, actually, it's the second premise. Everything that begins to exist must have a cause. The universe began to exist. Okay, and people will challenge premise two of the Kalam by saying uh, they could go a couple of ways. One way they might go is, how do you know the universe began to exist? It could just in infinitely have existed into the past. And the problem with that is probably listeners have heard me say a lot, but not recently, is that there, there are a couple of problems with that. First of all, if it's an infinite past, how, how would you ever get to this point on the timeline? Because you would have an infinite past to overcome. And infinity is not really a number. It's kind of, it's more of a philosophical idea, but a literally infinite past. How would you cross that infinite? Um, first problem is you don't ever have a place to start to start crossing that infinite to get to today. That's a big problem. And the simple way of thinking about that is try jumping out of a hole without a bottom to it, right? And don't come up with something cute like, well, maybe you could ninja off the walls. Well, you don't have any place where you started ninja ninjing off the walls anyway. There's no bottom to that hole, so there's no way to start, so you can never get to today. The second thing is you can never cross an actual infinite because if there were an infinite number of points on a timeline or of causal events, then you would still have the same problem this is the problem that you would have. And I like the infinite library example that people talk about. So imagine you had an infinite library and every other book was red and every other book was black. Um, and, and you said, okay, let's take away all the black books out of this infinite library of red and black books. Well, now you'd have only red books, but how many would you have? You'd have infinite, right? You've done nothing to change the situation. And so you could net, the idea is you could never cross an actual infinite to derive at this moment. And so um, there's a way that people try to, well, I'll just leave it at that. We won't go into B theory of time and how it works there, but I have done in other videos, but that'll, um, that hopefully that'll help with that. Okay. Um, did you see something Pritchett that caught your interest? No, cause you weren't letting it scroll. Oh yeah. Is evil Braxton a Patreon exclusive? Uh, he could be, I could, I yeah. could do some wahahas on for patrons. on Right. Um, let's see. But, you know, today uh, it's just Braxty Poo. Uh, this is a question we occasionally get. How do you define inerrancy? Uh, Pritchett's got a definition. I've got a definition. Here's my definition. The Bible is without error in all that it intends to teach. Pritchett? Same thing, the way it intended to teach it, tacked on the end. Yeah, so, um, and we have a whole episode where we hammered all of that out. Uh, I think we mentioned this last week, but you can just search inerrancy and Trinity radio and you'll find it. 
Um, and and it's a it's a pretty fun old episode in the old studio. So that would be fun to go check out. Which is now gone. We never got to do our final episode. There's a good question. What are good reasons to trust the Bible? Well, for, real quick, okay. Hervey Schmervy says to get that free stuff where you get money on Google to then become a patron or a, a channel member. It, it's a, there's the information you can pause it and read that. Thank you, Hervey Schmervy. Um, okay. Oh, you just passed it again. Go up. What? That's a good question. Which one? What are some Trinity right there? Yes. Um, the short answer is because God raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus trusted the Bible. And Braxton has this whole little spiel that he can give that he's given before that is wonderful and it doesn't take that long to give you good reasons. Yeah, so th- this is not this doesn't give you conclusive or inerrancy or anything like that, but it does give you a good reason to believe in um, authority. And that is, number one, uh, if, if you can believe that Jesus rose from the dead as an actual historical event, we have all kinds of an apologetic for that. We have a whole playlist on this channel for that. Um, uh, then then uh, that means that you can trust that the gospel authors are giving you the truth about the biggest claim they make in the gospels. So, you know, this is, again, this is not a slam dunk, but it seems not very compelling to question the lesser miracles of Jesus or something like walking on water or something when God raised Jesus from the dead is the biggest uh, miracle claim they have. So there's that. And then, so if you can trust the gospels, then you can trust the book of Acts because uh, the author of, uh, of, of Luke is the author of Acts, and that's not very controversial. And so the central figure of the second half of the book of Acts is Paul, and Paul wrote much of the rest of the New Testament. And then uh, the other authors of the New Testament are like um, people who are already affirmed in the Gospels as reliable. And if you want to quibble about Jude, then that's fine. You, you can have Jude if you want it. And then uh, and if you can trust the Gospels based on that resurrection thing, well, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus affirms the entirety of the Old Testament and says that it's about him. So if you can believe in the resurrection, you have good reason to believe that at the very least, the entirety of Scripture is authoritative. Um, and, yeah, and, and why can't you trust it? Well, I mean, there's good reasons to trust it from, for, I mean, beyond just <coughs> if you accept the resurrection, you have a good reason to think about the Bible the way that Jesus does. Is is if if you don't take if you don't take everyone's interpretation of Scripture as Scripture itself, this becomes a lot easier to understand. Because when we ask about what, what can you trust about the, the Bible, can you trust it to give you what uh, accurate historical information? I think so. Uh, but take the example of Job, for for instance. Some people argue that that is a historical occurrence that happened. Some people argue that this, this uh, dialogue of wisdom literature is not an actual event that happened in history. And to be honest, there's good ca- case to be made on both sides. I don't mind saying I don't know. Um, if that was a historical occurrence or not. It still tells me something about God's dealings that God wanted me to know and why it's part of the canon and stuff. Um, Other things, you know, so there's questions about particular things about the Bible, but in general, I think that you can trust the Bible. That's why I added what I added to the end of his thing. I think that the Bible's true and trustworthy in everything it says or everything that it teaches the way that it intended to teach it. So if wisdom literature is not giving me historical facts about... Job really existed or had this conversation uh, with his comforters and his wife and this scenario with God and Satan, you know, or the Satan, you know, um, I'm okay not knowing. There are good Christian conservative, you know, scholars who think that's it's just um, 
to teach us something. It's just a, a wisdom dialogue that's not necessarily based on true events. Others say, yes, it is. And I'm okay either way because it still communicates things that are trustworthy bits of truth that I need to know. It tells me something about God. It tells okay. me something about man's place. So things like that you're going to have to hash out at the hermeneutical level. But generally, the Bible's trustworthy and I think that none of the authors were intending to deceive. We may not always understand what they, were, how they were intending to communicate, but we, you know, if, unless you read a lot of ancient Near Eastern literature and how that all works together, but I, I think that the authors are trustworthy. They're not trying to deceive their original audiences, and so they're not trying to deceive us either. And if you accept the role of the Holy Spirit and inspiration on top of Scripture, I think. That's a, you can have confidence in its contents. Okay, great. So uh, Slam RN says the third stanza of most hymns have the deepest theological insights. Do you agree? That's never really, never yes, really thought that's about why it. Skipped. But <laughs> 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 yes. sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hervey Schmervy wants to add on to what we said about original sin, and he says actually scientifically we do inherit sins: anger, sex drive, lust, and addiction are all genetic. Uh, yeah. That that's that's not, and I think that's an important thing to mention. This is um, like someone with who's a drug addict. That child can be born with a drug addiction right then, uh, but certainly can have a propensity for the same sorts of things as their parents. That's the ramifications. That's what we're talking about with your sin nature. Yeah, you have a sin nature. The question Follow is: nature. Is the baby born from a crack addict uh, who's now crack addicted? If that's how I think that's a thing, right? Crack babies. That's how that yeah. works. Um, is that child now culpable? of the sin of becoming a user or something. I don't think so. All right. Um, well, they, for every instance of use, if it's a sin to, and I think plausibly it is very likely a sin to smoke cracks. So I'm not saying the Bible didn't say thou shalt not. You smoke heard crack, it here. But, uh, right. Internet. But I say it's very likely to smoke a crack's wrong. Um, and so, and, and the things that you do because you're high on crack. Now, any instance of that, a uh, person does uh, is held against them. I don't think that the propensity itself, because of what their, you know, their their mother did to them. Uh, so I don't think that this the effects of sin. Sin, I think of sin in the sense of either the way the Bible does. It's either a personified entity, you know, a slave master. You know, you're a slave to sin or whatever. Um, or it's used as like a strike on your record, like an actual thing. It's got to correspond to something. I, I, I don't think sin in the Bible is ever referred to as goo, right? That it's like this stuff that gets on you. But the ramifications of previous sinful behaviors of others can have an effect on your life that can cause a uh, compound your propensity to sin. So um, that's what we think uh, that is referring to. I don't want to say that the alcoholism is held against you because it was inherited from someone else. But yeah, yeah. your instances of giving into that propensity to, to, to alcohol and then getting drunk all the time, that's on you, even though you inherited that propensity. Moria 101 is back again and says, if there are any, all caps, mistakes of any kind in the Bible, then the Bible is not inerrant. Uh, right. That's what inerrant means. <laughs> well, but like... There's a reason we specify what we mean. The Bible is without error in this way, all that it intends to teach. The way if you find intends. something that it intends to teach in a way that it intends to teach it, 
that they're wrong, that it's wrong about, then our understanding of inerrancy would be false. But if you're saying if in the original autographs there was a typo somewhere, then the Bible's not inerrant. Well, it would be it would not be inerrant in terms of spelling. <laughs> That's true. But there are different ways that you define your you define what you're talking about when you say inerrant. Right. Like and if there's any mistakes of any kind in the Bible, then the Bible is not inerrant. And that's exactly what inerrancy means. It has no mistakes in it. So, okay. Um, that's, that's what the word means. That's that. Thank you for the definition. Uh, the, the thing, no, about, but you're, you're giving him too much. It's not that if there's any, error, what he's trying to say is, and there are some, that no, he left he, out no even quote. without that, yeah. even without that, he's trying to say that if there are any things that we like, if the cosmology that's given in a particular psalm isn't correct, well then, or proverb, that means then that the Bible's not inerrant. So the Bible has literal space dragons, like in Revelation. Right, right, right. Right. So and that's it, bunk. We that's why we define what we mean by inerrancy. Right. You're the guy, weren't you, who was saying we don't define things right, or maybe that was Larry. But but the thing is. It's without error in all that it intends to teach in the way that it intends to teach. See, you're now, I've adopted yours. Right. I've seen the practical usefulness It makes the most sense of it. Well, it's still, my way still. So I'm happy to debate inerrancy and I'm happy to debate hermeneutics, but you can't mistake some people's uh, interpretations for inerrancy itself. I believe 100% of every word in Scripture. I don't believe 100% of what most people say about those words in Scripture as to what they mean. When someone reads the Bible text, and amen. When they explain it to me, what they think it means, I'm like, ugh. So, no, yeah. th- those are two different things. What it says, which every Christian should affirm, yeah. and what someone thinks it means, which you don't have to care about one way or the other. Excuse, Those are two different things. Excuse me, but yeah. says, what aspects of Augustinianism do you expect? Well, lots. That, We're big fans. Augustine is a ma- there's a massive amount of work, written work, right. on that. Absolutely brilliant. Most of that so you I should read uh, his reflections on the Psalms. Or is that what we're talking about? You know, his yeah, like homily, we, we would have to know. Are we talking about? Are, are we talking about the city of God and the other brilliance of that? What, what do you mean, August? Like, if you're talking about. Um, the issue that we mentioned before, we we clarified that if we're talking about his understanding of free will, which changed right um, early, Augustine totally there with him on that, mm-hmm. where he was agreeing with Christianity, and then he went and stopped agreeing with the consensus of Christianity <laughs> and sang solo later on in life. We disagree with the unChristian stuff that Augustine <laughs> teaches. <laughs> no, I've, I I don't have a problem with the guy. I just August it's a big corpus of literature. What's up, Zamo? Zamo. Um, I did not. I accept a lot of what a lot of what he says is outright. Brilliant. I did not inherit a fallen nature. Well, you did, pal. Whether you think you did or not. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh wow! Look, Jose's here. Jose, Yay! thank you for the three dollars, Jose. Happy Friday! I love yes. your ten questions to atheists. All right. You know, well, I did the 10 questions one day when I just couldn't think of another video. And I was like, ah, people do this. I'm going to do this because I do want to know the answers. I never expected like every everybody to respond to it like they have. I don't know if Larry is a Christian or not, but the fact that you're aging uh, is evidence of that. If yeah, that's not even necessarily right. somebody else said this. The fallen nature is not even necessarily a Christian, exclusively Christian right. belief. Right. Um, um, yeah. Um, is it Pritchett or Pritchett? 
It, it's Pritchett with it's spelled Pritchett, but it's really is pronounced Pritchett. I've only heard it ever said as Pritchett. So, you know. Uh, so the programmer re-asked the question. Apparently, I missed part of it. He says, Dr. Lycona said that such a definition made Christians vulnerable to... Um, Lycona critiqued Geisler's. Yeah, Geisler holds to the Chicago statement on inerrancy, which largely I'm, I'm more going to be... I, I'm going to align more with that than I do with Lycona's understanding. But that doesn't mean I ditch the stuff he lays out with his literary devices. I know there are people in the chat. I would Again, there's a difference don't between like hermeneutics but, yeah. and what claims you're making about the Bible itself versus what claims people think the Bible means. Lycona b- believes every word that the Bible says. He doesn't believe everything that Norman Geisler thinks it means. I have probably a few more quibbles with the sh- Chicago statement on, on uh, inerrancy than you do. I don't care for it i mean it's a lot of it's fine it's a long statement a lot of it's good but overall i think it's it's not useful uh because you can get into so many different things that it it dies the death of a thousand uh, qualifications and i think that's a good uh uh, yeah a a good criticism of it authority of the bible does not equal biblical inerrancy right this is why i said that's why i literally said this doesn't give you inerrancy what i'm about to argue but it would give you authority. Braxton and I both affirm inerrancy, and we've given our definitions of what we think that means. Inerrancy is not the, uh, a sacred cow around here. If you, if, if, if you prove to me against all definitions humanly possible that inerrancy uh, is false in every try to way that you kind of— I don't care. God not, exists. I'm God not, raised Jesus I from mean, the dead. Christianity is true. I so agree I, with that, yeah. but I would probably it would be more of a sacred cow to me. It's not at not all. a sacred cow in that like I, I'm so biased I could never be convinced otherwise. But right. Uh, okay. Uh, Drew Beatty says, "What is the role of apologetics in youth ministry? What topics need to be covered?" Okay, here you go. Uh, God's existence, God raised Jesus from the dead, the problem of evil, and um, some social apologetics related to social issues that apologists are equipped to respond to, like stuff like uh, the views on abortion, uh, human sexuality, those kind of things. That's where I would if go. You, if, when you talk about the problem of evil, if you put hell in there, fine. If you don't put hell in that, I want to tack on the issue of hell and divine judgment, ju- uh, justice and judgment as something they need to know about, which is going to be that blur between theology and apologetics. Yeah, good good addition. Yeah. Andrew Basham, But you thank can cover you. that in The Problem of Evil. Because, thank you yeah. for that $20 Woo-hoo! unbelievable yeah. super chat. Um, hey guys, what are your all what are your all's thoughts? Yes. What are y'all's thoughts on the mind y'all. body problem? Y'all are a blessing to me and I'm sure to many more. You all, come on. So he, he is I'm, not I'm, he is not from Carolina. It I'm doesn't say Andrew Basham of Carolina like it said Brad from Carolina. It says Andrew Basham. So he might be. Hey he guys, might be living in the south. Not, I don't know. You hey, living in the hey south, guys. Andrew? Anyway, what are you all's um, thoughts on the mind-body problem? So you all are a. I'm reading it rightly. Um, uh, are a blessing to me, and I'm sure to many more. I hope so. So the mind-body problem is loosely that you you seem to have a physical brain and a physical body, um, but substance dualists who think that we could refer to the mind as the the part of you that is the experiencer. And that that is a separate substance that in some way perhaps interacts with the brain, but is not reducible to the brain. 
And um, that's what I think. I'm a substance dualist. We have Chris Date, for example, who's a physicalist who just says, no, it's the brain. Um, but, uh, but for p- substance dualists like me, I actually have an interesting... So I don't actually know how the interaction happens. It's often called the interaction problem. Um, but, the, but the way that I have, I think, makes sense is I'm actually more interested in quantum mechanics and quantum physics than I think some apologists and Christian philosophers are. Um, yeah, I'm one of them. I'm not as interested in it at all as Braxton is. But you should be for this reason. No, this reason. it's cool when you come tell me all the stuff that you read that I don't have to read and say, here's the cool part. Yeah. That's but, all I care about is whatever. And half the time he's baiting me by saying it's cool and then it's not as cool as But for someone who says there's not a way that the, that the mind, the immaterial part of you could interact with the brain, um, here is how here is a possible defeater to that claim that it can't be done. Um, if you look at Roger Penrose and there's somebody else I always mention who has uh, these ideas about the mind being a quantum computer, basically. Um, well, the way quantum mechanics seems to work as best. Well, quantum superposition, as best we understand, is that when you measure, when a measuring device is used, it collapses the waveform into the uh, superposition. If you want to know more about how all this works, there are lots of videos out there, and I talk about it with respect to this, not this, kind of with respect to this issue in my debate review of uh, Inspiring Philosophies, Michael Jones and Matt Dillahunty. You can go look for that. Uh, But uh, it seems like when there's a measurement device, and it seems to some, though we can't say this conclusively, so I'm being very cautious here, that that's because of the observer, the, the, the observation is what of a, of a conscious agent is what causes the waveform to collapse. Now, some would say, well, wait, it collapses with the measurement device even before a conscious observer sees it. Okay, but it seems like there's a chain that goes back to a conscious observer. Anyway, um, it's, it's not that controversial to point out that measuring this or observing it can cause that waveform to collapse into a particular position. If our brains are quantum computers, basically, um, then it could be that merely by observation from this substance, uh, this immaterial substance, the soul, that that is the way of interaction. And I think that would serve as a defeater to the claim that it can't be done. So maybe that'll be helpful to you. Zamo asked, Zamo asked a question mm-hmm. about heresy. What is heresy? Hmm? Oh, Zamo. And whenever he asks a question, we answer it. So there's heresy and then there's what we could call damnable heresy. Um, and then there is two different frames of reference for what we might consider heresy. So heresy could be doctrine that is not orthodox or, or, and, or heresy could, cause that could be heretical and, or heresy could be causing unnecessary divisions among the faithful over, uh, secondary doctrinal issues. Is that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, kind of what the, the original... The original, yeah. Right. So, but then if you're asking what doctrinal positions on their own could be considered um, heresy, um, if you denied the Trinity, for example, that's a heresy. Um, they're, they're basically, the stuff that's affirmed by the councils, right? Yeah, I mean, anything that's contrary to the one Bible, two Testaments, three creeds, four councils, and the consensus view of the first five centuries is what I would call heresy. heresy. And, and then damnable. Do you damnable- go to hell for it? You, uh, if, you, if you, for me, what a damnable heresy is, is if you have the wrong Jesus because of your misunderstanding of the ontology of Jesus, 
then that's an idol. Uh, now, I'm not saying you have to understand, but if you understand the right view and hope, willfully reject it for a knowingly wrong view, that is the point, I think, is where I would say is a damnable heresy. Uh, just being a heretic doesn't get you damned for all eternity. Having the wrong Jesus, I think, will. Not knowing everything you're supposed to know that's right. I mean, if you get something wrong because you don't know better, because you've never studied all, you know, the councils and the, you know. No, that, that person's fine. He makes a mistake in Sunday school class uh, and is fortunate enough not to have the theological nitpicker always correcting everybody. God's not mad at that guy because he got something wrong about Christology, right? But if you're like a willfully rejecting orthodoxy for a heretical view that's been hammered out for centuries, um, against the consensus view of, of the Orthodox Church. Yeah, that, I think yeah. the wrong Jesus gets you damned. Yep. Okay. Do you think the book of Enoch is the story of Genesis 6? That's an interesting one. So the book of Enoch is pretty well considered by scholars, what we know as the book of Enoch, to not be nearly old enough to have been written by Enoch, but to be yeah, uh, a few centuries. But it was very popular in the first century. Now, the so I don't know that it's not... I would not consider it to be an inspired text. Now, is it possible that there is something in it, some small piece of it that does go back to Enoch? I'm skeptical of that, but here is why the question arises in my mind. If you take, if you take the book of Jude to be uninspired, to be inspired as a text, to be part of what we would call the word of God, then he quotes from the book of Enoch. Um, and therefore that portion at least becomes inspired text because Jude's quoting it, but Jude seems to quote it as though it's authoritative in some sense. So how should Christians understand that? Well, you basically have a number of options. One option would be that, um, it, that, that you could just say, yeah, the book of Enoch as it exists is from Enoch. And so that's why Jude talked about it that way. But that seems implausible because we, we have really good reason to believe that it doesn't go back that far. You could say, as this is kind of the position I take, is that Jude was just pointing to something that was popular in the culture at, at, at the time to make a point. Like some people, when uh, the Narnia books might first came out, someone who was a preacher might have said something about God, talking about Jesus, but this was, is a famous line from the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is no tame lion. Well, he obviously wasn't saying that Jesus is a literal lion or that his name's Aslan. He was just pointing to something in the culture to make a point. I find that to be a, an attractive position. And then a third position is that the book of Enoch isn't, you know, the book of Enoch doesn't go back to Enoch, but that there is a grain of, of uh, originality that someone took and crafted uh, something around it. And that's what you, where you get the book of Enoch. So those are your options there. All right, and with that, people are going to need a potty break before Winger starts, so we need to wrap this up. We, we do, um, I guess so. Uh, do we have any other things that are like any? I'm going to look now for Super Chats. Any other Super Chats? Any other Super Chats? Yeah. No, I don't see any. All right. Um, thank you all so for being here on your Friday afternoon. Enjoyed this, yeah. and thank you all. This is probably the most – well, I think there was one – we got 500 video where we got time. 500. You guys are second, not first. But this, <laughs> yeah. this, aside from that, this may be the biggest in terms of. Yeah. And listen, I want you to know, we would do this if we got nothing. 
Right. We did do this. We did this for years without anything. And the only reason we ever started a Patreon was because people were like, I wish you had a Patreon account so we could help you out. And now it has revolutionized the show in ways that hopefully you can see on the screen. It's created so much more work for you, though. Yeah, but I enjoy it. That makes me I love doing this. Yeah. Anyway, no more banter. We got to go. But those of you who like the banter, we've got a banter episode coming up for Trinity Radio Extra. It's going to be a complete show about nothing but us talking about stuff. So that's look forward to that. Uh, The Theology Geek Fitness Gym is complete. So uh, look forward to videos of that after uh, um, we get the catalog out and stuff work on my end has just been busy but uh be sure and also tune into our sister podcast bible throwdown even though they haven't released a new episode in forever uh theo apologetics which braxton's going to be on soon in the next episode with chris dates teriology 101 with late latent flower is it latent or lighten Leighton. latent flower <laughs> no I'm just kidding that's for the old school people that you remember Layton's first video of us on his show was when we were trying to get his name right. Yeah. There was a time where we didn't know Layton Flowers. But anyway, uh, Stereology 101, and then there's like another show, um, Narrow Path with Steve Gregg. There you go. All right. Well, I've enjoyed it. Pritchett, you can take us out this time if you like. We'll see you next time. on. Let me do the Braxton thing. Trinity Radio. Eddie, we will absolutely be praying for your wife. Uh, My wife had a scare last week. She had a um, temperature, the uh, pretty high temperature, but tested negative. I'm, I'm convinced because Jonathan prayed for it. So, um, Jonathan, pray for Eddie Vasquez. Lord, we'll pray right now. Lord, we pray that you would um, give us a good result on uh, Eddie's wife and that she would not be positive for Corona. But if she is, we pray that uh, you would work through doctors or miraculously to get her through that. And we pray that you would uh, bring a swift end to this pandemic that is um, causing problems worldwide right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Darn right.